welcome back to another episode of Say Something Interesting, a podcast that comes at you from the toasty roasty eastern side of Washington, Tri-Cities, Eastlake Community Church. My name is Margo, and with me, special Hi. guest, Megan Bojan. She is a recurring treat to the ears here on our podcast. <laughs> Thank you. Brent is away, so the ladies are at play again. I think last time... We did something like wedding facts. I don't even know what we no, did. No, it was like a <laughs> survey or something. Like a how basic are you survey oh, or something so like that. We, yeah. So just prepare yourself, I guess. <laughs> I have a feeling. I have a, a suspicion that most of our listeners are females anyways, apart from Eric <laughs> Rotness. But uh, yeah, just mm. deal with it, BJ, on your vacation. <laughs> she Lady. means Brent Johnson. Yes. <laughs> Brent Johnson. Uh, we have kicked off a new series, uh, which I'm excited about for purely selfish reasons, yeah. because I love preaching a whole series, and it's on comparison. And that how is it a tricky subject us. these days. An important subject these days, though. It is, and I think it's something that people are aware of, but not really sure, like, well, what do I do to combat that? Like, apart from just slapping yourself on the wrist and saying, well, doesn't matter what anyone thinks you're beautiful, you know, like self affirmations or something. I feel like we feel really overwhelmed by the amount of comparison. That's like, that's just naturally going to happen when we know everything about everyone at all times. Uh, And we don't know effective tools to kind of keep our sanity. (laughs) Definitely. It's really, it is hard because I think it seeps into our, like our not social media life as well. Because then we are looking at other people and I mean, we always naturally do that anyway, but. So I might share this uh, next week just to definitely, they always say when you preach, make sure you embarrass yourself first. So everyone knows Mm -hmm. that like you're not any better than anyone. Uh, (laughs) And I, I was working on this series, literally like had my journal out, had the book that I was like pulling some stuff from, had my Bible, was journaling, like actively working not like on a siesta to check facebook yeah and i was in a coffee shop and i looked up and i looked around and i just thought to myself oh fun fact i am definitely the largest person in this entire coffee shop right now and just being like i've I've never even like taken the time to think that before i don't Mm -hmm. think except for maybe like middle school Maybe being like, am I the largest? I'm not the largest. Oh, thank goodness. Yeah. And like, I just remember being like, wow, that's a really crummy feeling. Wow, I'm writing a sermon. <laughs> I'm not comparing myself to other people. And uh, uh. so as I'm writing the sermon, like I literally had my my struggle street moments and still do, still working through it. Uh, yep. So I know for women, a lot of it is focused on... Um, at least I believe, is focused on image, what we look like, and then also um, relationship and family. Are you in a relationship? Yep. Do you have kids? Are they perfect angels? And I think that also is a little bit mm-hmm. of a like Christian woman thing. Um, I would say some of my friends who aren't Christian maybe don't It's not as high on the priority yeah, list. I mean, I think they still feel that pressure, but I don't think that it's in their face as much as people like single, especially single women, um, who are part of the church. Which is really funny because I feel like it's it's kind of a catch-22 because uh, if you are part of the Christian faith, uh, it becomes clear to you that any long-term relationship is not going to work. 
unless I'm with someone that has similar views, similar approaches on life that believes strongly about the same things. And so that like limits the pool and men are definitely, and I think for very good reasons have been leaving the church and have been uncomfortable with faith in the in the generation that me and Megan are in, yeah, um, a lot of men have left the church or never experienced church to begin with and don't know what to make of it. So I feel like um, it kind of sets us up to be <laughs> in a hard position because there's this pressure to be married and have kids, uh, but there's not a lot of it's gonna sound awful. Not a lot of opportunity for that. Uh, you know, you want to like like the person, not just be like, "Well, you check off the box. You're yeah. male, and you're male and Christian." <laughs> like, there's gotta be more yeah. to a relationship than that. So, um, I knew, like, I've recently married. For me, that was definitely a struggle. Watching all my friends enter those stages of life um, and just being happy for them, but also sad because you feel like the boat is leaving and you're like, Oh, Mm -hmm. I thought we'd be raising kids together and, you know, talking about the first years of marriage together and all these things. And they're off on the cruise and you're just like, well, (laughs) what's on Netflix? (laughs) (laughs) Do you, do you Mm. think that's, you've experienced anything similar to that? Oh, well, definitely. Um, cause I am not married still. And she is an, an awesome boss lady though. (laughs) I, we were saying before the podcast started that, uh, Megan is one of those people that uh, reminds me of a dear friend back east and they're these people that you meet them and they are lovely wonderful human beings and you just know that they have got their act together that they <laughs> they can go grocery shopping and clean their house and balance budgets and mm. you know do probably minor home improvement like she's just one of those people that's super competent and exudes confidence <laughs> yeah I well and I think that that's so funny and thank you Margo <laughs> um because I definitely feel like I exude more confidence than I personally feel inside of me but I people in the grocery store all the time stop me and ask me questions about what they should use to cook things where stuff is I'm and I'm always just so flabbergasted because I think well, I don't have a, an apron on. Yeah, like, I, was like, <laughs> I clearly don't look like I work here. But you just exude this like <laughs> reliability, this like trustworthiness, uh, this wisdom. I think that's great. Well, thank you, Michael. You're very sweet. <laughs> this turned into like Advertise Megan podcast. Oh, of which, course. <laughs> of course. I was not aware that that was going to happen. <laughs> but it's hard. It's hard when, yeah. um, like I know for me, it. I sometimes scratch my head because I see people that rush into relationships and are still figuring out how to be themselves and how to, you know, what does it mean to be an adult and to pay bills and to make responsible choices with health and fitness and budget. And I feel like you have got that down. Well, I'm not perfect. I am still a human. I do not have all of that down. (laughs) Let's just be realistic here for a minute. (laughs) But I, it's definitely true. And I think everyone does that. And when you were your talk on Sunday, I like this is kind of where this is leading, but, and we talked about this beforehand. I just had this moment of like comparing the wait time between people. And I'm in this really impatient place with God right now. And so personally, and so that was kind of my big takeaway. And we sang a song also that talked about God being in the waiting. Um, 
And so we think he's just in like this ta-da moment. Like that's when God shows up and shows off when he's like sitting with us in the waiting room as the clock just seems to continue on ticking. And and that it's really hard because usually he's really quiet in those moments. And so it's hard to feel like you're, I don't know, I just am in this place of, but I I just want all of these things right now. Why can't they happen right now? And I'm ready for them. And I know I'm ready for them. And why aren't, why aren't you here? Why aren't you making things happen? Why aren't you helping things happen? And, um, and then looking but at other people. We don't know people. that he probably is. Like, well, yeah, I know, right? Like, he probably is like, he's like, Megan, calm down. Um, <laughs> He's like, I got this, girl. That's what he's saying. Um, <laughs> but And so it's hard to look at other people who have, from my opinion, more accelerated timing, right? And that was like my big comparison thing. And then when I was thinking about how this series applies to me. And I mean, I compare all the other things as well, but that's the one, that's the big one for me. And that has been a big one for me for a long time is comparing the wait time. I know... Um uh, one of the things we talked about in in the talk on Sunday was one of the danger, most dangerous parts about comparison is that first it starts with kind of like self-loathing, mm-hmm. but then that translates. It's kind of feel like it's almost a self-defensive mechanism where we start feeling really bitter or thinking ugly things at people yeah. that, that have the accelerated timing, as you mm-hmm. say, or have the things that you so dearly want. And especially like if they seem irrelevant like irreverent of them. Mm-hmm. Like I know a lot of friends that struggle with infertility and then they see these mom posts like, cry, you know, saying like, oh, my baby won't start. Stop crying. He's colicky. And all these people are just like, I would do anything mm-hmm. to have a colicky child like in my arms right now. Cause that's like, that's the desire of my heart. And like you start feeling ugly things towards people. Uh, so one of the books that I've been reading to prepare this series uh, kind of, shows you how to identify that. And the title of the book is, uh, I'm happy for you, dot, 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 sort of, dot, 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 not really. Yeah. <laughs> and it was advice that she gave her daughter saying, like, how do I not think ugly things at people that I'm jealous of their bodies or their, because her daughter's young, you know, um, yeah. their achievements in school or their talents. And her mom says, you just need to learn how to say, I'm happy for you. And if you genuinely practice that and keep saying for that, then you will start to mean it. And so um, I know for me, uh, even before I was married, when you see all those like tag your significant other, post a picture when you first met, who's the bossy one? Me. Who has, who's the messiest? <laughs> Him. And it's just like this survey about their lives that you don't like need to see yeah. or be aware of. I'm just like, okay. I can't repost that survey because that's not my reality and I'd get all grumpy and then I'd just be like, you know what? They're in a relationship and they are struggling through life to make that work because relationships are hard and messy and they need more cheerleaders cheering them on because doing life is hard and doing life with another person's emotions and cares and concerns is in a lot of ways uh, an additional challenge. So Yeah. And I... I feel like I haven't struggled with that in my life as much. Which is great. I don't know. I'm not trying to like say I'm some awesome human who doesn't get (laughs) jealous of people because that definitely happens. But I I feel like I have the ability to be really genuinely deep in my soul happy for especially my friends who are people I'm really close to for people who have the things that I want that I don't have yet and still I mean I and it doesn't impact how I feel about them or 
or even really how I feel about myself. Like, so my self-loathing of that comparison happens just in myself, but it, you're able to contain yeah, it a little bit, but it doesn't impact how I feel about the people around me who have those things. I mean, every once in a while it'll seep in and I'll be like, Oh, but it still doesn't diminish my happiness for them. I'm, I can feel genuine joy for people who have those things that they want. Um, cause it's so outside of my journey for the most part. And, it doesn't like their happiness doesn't take away from my potential happiness or, you know, it just increases it. It's it like they then now I have two people who will be really happy for me when those things happen or when or and now I have two people in my life who will hold me when I need being held. And um, it's just an addition of love is kind of how I see it. And so when my friends have babies or get married or do those things, it's I I just feel genuinely happy for them. It doesn't make me jealous or, and a lot of times it doesn't even make me feel sad for myself for not having those things um, or whatever things I want, buying a house, getting the job, whatever it is that I, you know, the those things, dreams, the goals. Yeah. Uh, Cause it just, it adds to my life. Their happiness adds to my life. So. And that's something that um, the book talks about is learning how to redefine the season that you're in. Because it may be very easy to label it as like season where I, like I'm not in that relationship where I want or I'm not raising the family that I always dreamed I have. Uh, or uh, she talked about a lot of people, um, they can't enjoy the holidays because it's uh, like a season of loss. Like I don't have the husband or the family or I don't like I've lost someone recently mm-hmm. and there's an empty chair at my table. And she says, you need to work actively to rename the seasons of your life uh, to highlight all the things that you can do. Uh, like she said, if there is an empty chair at Christmas this year because you've lost someone, she's like, that's another space to invite someone that has nowhere else to go for Christmas. Like, look at it as a season where you can invite someone into the fold and, and love and encourage someone else. Or um, I know for us, uh, we have not started trying to have children yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's because it's so talked about, which I think is awesome. Uh, it's very real to me that I've just turned 30. Uh, it may not be easy. It may not even happen. Uh, just being, I'm not trying to be negative about it, but I'm just trying to be realistic. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I could view this next season with trepidation. Um, but instead I'm just like, I have all these friends that have kids that I can love on. Oh, and yeah. the great thing about us not having kids at the same time is I can now pick their brains being like, how did you do this? five yeah. years ago and like, if you wait long enough then their kids can babysit yeah. your kids <laughs> <laughs> but it's true i have so many friends that have been married i have one friend that's been married now for 13 years yeah and i'm like this person has 13 years of marriage under her belt even though we're the same age and this is someone that is now a source of wisdom for me to draw on so instead of being frustrated that these things fell in place for her so quickly. I now see this as like God surrounding me with strong people that I can learn from and hopefully avoid maybe some of the hardships that they did just by having that wisdom speak into my life. For sure. I'm super excited for all my friends to have babies because I love babies. <laughs> and She's a baby whisperer as well. <laughs> and babies seem to like me a lot too. Uh, so I'm really excited to have all the babies and then give them back. <laughs> yeah, you're like, great. I I don't need to change nearly as many diapers as you. Uh, I get way more sleep than you. Yeah. I'm I am the best auntie ever and I am awesome at doing it and I love it. 
Yes. As much as like I can be woeful that I'm not in that family time because I'm like, man, my knees aren't what they used to be. At the same time, I can hop out to Target whenever I want and I'm not carrying like enough supplies to feed an army and it's really funny a 30 yesterday, pound baby stroller on my arm yesterday my girlfriends and i were talking they were talking about coordinating schedules with their husbands and the apps that they use and the cal like to share calendars and all of that and i said i just do whatever i want but that's like that's a blessing in this season like i know i've gotten to travel yeah. for instance a lot more than my friends that that started families younger than i did and as much so it's like there's always a blessing in this season. There's always opportunities. Yeah. And they're just not the same as what other people's opportunities yeah, are. Yeah, and to that to that effect, who is looking at your life comparing oh, and man, thinking I wish the I opposite could. things? You know what <laughs> yeah. I mean? So who's looking at my life as someone who got to be who's gotten to be single for as long as I have and thinking, man, I wish I was able to know who I was before I was married or I wish I, you know, mm -hmm. not necessarily like I don't love my life or, you know, I would have done it differently per se, but who is comparing to us, right? That's, I just had that thought, but it's like, who has said like the grass is always greener. It's kind of that moment yeah. of time, you know, as much as we're just getting a glimpse of other people, other people's lives and thinking that they're so great. There is someone that is looking at their limited sights into our existence and yeah. thinking like, wow, that must be so nice to, X, Y, and Z. Yeah. So redefine your season, learn to, to celebrate it and to get the most out of it because seasons do change and you can't go back to it and, you know. Yeah. Enjoy where you're at. So uh, we also talked about how um, it's really interesting that Jesus, I mean, he's given many names in the podcast, but one of them is the Prince of Peace. And oftentimes, whenever you use a royalty title like that, uh, it's followed by the location or the country or the region that they are reigning over. So the implications uh, of Jesus being the Prince of Peace is that he reigns over a land that is peace, that is stillness and wholeness and shalom. <laughs> you said uh, you thought that was an interesting takeaway. Yeah, I... I just like the imagery of that is pretty powerful, I think, um, because that is definitely that's how I view God a lot of times is that just like still presence coming in and call. Uh, I tend to be a little bit of a worrier. I don't necessarily project that to people, but in my you know personal life, in my own head, I definitely am a little bit of a worrier. And so. Uh, for me, a God of peace or a Prince of peace that is alongside and still and says, Megan, I have you, I'm holding you. You're worried about this, but it's like, it will be fine. Like you will be fine. Cause I have you in my hands kind of a thing. That's always been one of the more powerful images of God for me. And I, so like putting it in the terms of he's the Prince of peace, he's the ruler of peace you know, God is the reigner, like he reigns over peace. Yeah. And so he holds that for you. And protects that kingdom and, yeah. and like sustains it. And yeah. And makes that kingdom fruitful for you. And so I think when we step into that land of peace with him, we're really allowing, I think it's easy, once you're in that land of peace, it's easy to let go of that comparison. 
easy to let go of the but I don't have that or my I don't look matter. like that like, because because I have peace yeah. with myself I have you are peace complete in yeah. that moment in his presence yeah and I liked your other line that you said um oh it was when the, I look at what others yeah the looking at others and then I want more but when I, I look at what God says about me and what he's doing in my life I am more yeah and I think that comes into that peace part of like that's a really peaceful place to be is to look at what God says about me and my life and who I am in him. And that brings like, I don't have to worry about keeping up with the John Joneses or whatever, because I am enough in God. Yeah, totally. One of my favorite uh, things that I've seen recently kind of on this uh, was a post on social media. So it's nice to <laughs> you know come across something that's not making you feel bad about yourself. But it said, uh, if you can trust a puzzle company to make sure every piece is in the box to complete the puzzle, then why can't we trust God that every piece of our life is in there too? Yeah. It's like we have more faith <laughs> in a <laughs> sketchy factory pumping out puzzle pieces <laughs> than we do with the guy that, uh, you know, knows the big picture and is putting it all the together. The thousand piece ocean scene. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be a ridiculously hard puzzle, by the way. I so this is going off on a fun tangent because we can in our seminary our library uh can't really tell you about the resources too much <laughs> most and this is gonna sound awful mostly because our librarian was crazy oh uh she she wanted to be called referred to as sister robin like old school like methodist like brother brother benjamin oh, okay i was like sister. is she a nun no she's not a nun <laughs> She is not a nun. She was raised in Jersey, but spoke with a wavering, faulty, false British accent. Interesting. So just like one of those people that's really into being a librarian, like you feel like it was a cosplay because <laughs> like her accent would come and go. And so she would be like telling us like, oh, this is where you can find these resources. But I just would be so distracted because of her fake accent that I think was trying to be British. But I'm like, it's definitely not Jersey. Like, I don't know where this is coming from. You watch too much BBC or something. Uh, Masterpiece oh Theater. <laughs> I love Masterpiece Theater. But in the library, she had puzzles out. And at first I was like, uh -huh -huh, puzzles, who does that? Crazy Sister Robin, that's who. <laughs> but then, you know, you, you wander over and you start putting a piece in and then another couple pieces. And then it became something that... Uh, if I was stressed out about an assignment mm -hmm. and I needed to turn off my brain, uh, me and several other students would just go and work on a puzzle for a half hour, eight, 10 minutes, you know, between the two bells or after lunch if we had extra time because it was a way to silence the chaos and to just focus on one thing and to uh, just stop worrying. And it was super restful. Yeah. yeah, it is. It's one of those things that, I, we always do puzzles around Christmas time at my house. Um, I would, but I have two cats that would well, destroy those in 10 seconds. I mean, I also have two cats that would destroy it. As everyone listening is like, <laughs> single ladies with all the cats. <laughs> but my mom and dad don't have two cats who would destroy a puzzle, so they happen at their house. Um, so it is. It's really restful because it's one of those things you have to think about what you're doing, So, but it's not super mind consuming yeah and so it it's it, yeah one of those activities that really helps your brain rest in it in terms of not 
dwelling on whatever you're supposed to be dwelling on. We are pro puzzle here. Pro puzzle. I know. I was thinking, okay, we're talking about puzzles. We just mentioned that we have cats. We're really (laughs) (laughs) We're really selling ourselves here. Goodness. Goodness Uh... gracious. Okay, I think I think <laughs> maybe uh, we should move on. I sh- I will throw out the ca- the the prep for next week. So okay. this week was more about um, when we are caught in the comparison trap. We tend to think badly about ourselves, which then leads to thinking badly about other people, which then stops us essentially from our purpose on Earth, which is to be an encouragement and a light and a help to one another. Uh, week two is more about uh, when the comparison trap leaves you feeling like you're better than other people ah yes <laughs> also a problem also a problem because there's so many people i mean you drive up to a street corner you see a panhandler yep. instantly you're in your head you're like oh they do drugs and i know i know their backstory better than they know their backstory yep. and uh the danger in that we don't want to be naive but also uh god didn't make us to claim superiority over everyone else so that is that is what's coming your way Ooh. down the line. So moving on, we need to redeem <laughs> some points here. Uh, Megan, uh, do you want to share your something interesting yeah. so our male audiences can uh, <laughs> feel like they had a uh, good half hour? And to those male audiences, uh, this comes from a genuine place of love. So I am a huge baseball fan. Uh, I don't know if people know that about me or not. Um, anyone who's ever talked to me probably knows that about me, but... Uh, so, and then I am a Mariners fan because we live in the Pacific Northwest and, you know, home team, home team, uh, and they struggle and anyone who's known the Mariners for a while has known that they struggle, but this season they, I got to give my boys some props because it is halfway through the season and they are fourth in the American league. And actually, I think they're fourth in both leagues, honestly. Like, if you looked at all of the teams in both the American and the National League, the Mariners are fourth. And um, they're just doing really well. The first time that they, they've, they're at 54-31, I believe, is their win-loss record. And the last time they won 50 games before the first half was over was in 2014. Which, you know, this doesn't mean anything for the future because, you know... In my Mariners heart, I know it could Baseball all go. Baseball changes so quickly. <laughs> yeah. They still have 80 games to play. So, uh, and then the other cool thing about this season is they have won almost, like, somewhere between 25 and 30 one-run games. That means, like, they've won by one point. Yeah, one run, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm I'm translating for the females that are not into baseball, or oh, men okay. that oh, okay. are into baseball. Okay, fair enough. Uh, and... It's which means that they're in these games that are close and they've also come from behind a lot and won and won the games in one run games. So I just got to give a little shout out to my Mariners. Now, this is coming from complete ignorance. I don't think I could name more than one Mariners baseball player. (laughs) Who is the hitting power? Uh, Well, this is really cool. This is also really cool. Uh, So. Uh, there was a little bit of a scandal at the beginning of the year. Their big name player, Robinson Cano, was suspended for, um, I believe it was some sort of drug skin, drug misuse situation. Bad life choices. Yeah. Um, and so he's suspended for 80 games, which is half the season. And 
with like when that happened much he, like when tom brady was suspended <laughs> other people had to step up yeah. and people have stepped up uh so and it, it hasn't been the same person every night it's been a different person but the the big hitting names this season are obviously nelson cruz who well if you're a baseball person you know who nelson cruz is he's just like <laughs> giant dominican man and they had a game on oh when was it it was there nope it was saturday or Friday. Anyway, they had a throwback game and they had, it was kind of a weird promotion game, but they were wearing different uniforms and he wore a sleeveless uniform and he walked up and his arm was like as big Popeye. as, his arm was just huge. And the, one of the commentators, this is my favorite line of the whole night. One of the commentators goes, as if Nelson Cruz isn't intimidating enough. <laughs> Here he comes without, with a sleeveless shirt on because now his giant arm is just sitting there staring at every pitcher you know, that's trying to pitch to him. Um, You got to give some credit to that baseball uniform. Yeah. To accommodate those guns. (laughs) And then some of the other names this season have been um, Mitch Haniger, who this is his second season in the pros and he's having a really awesome season. And then um, we, uh, we have the player named D Gordon who we traded for over the off season. And he's been a really incredible addition to our team. And then our shortstop Gene Segura, is has also been having a really amazing season and uh they so uh mitch hanniger is our rbi leader which is runs batted in so he's just making sure everyone gets across the plate and it's been really fun and it was kind of funny because the beginning of this season i wasn't as excited as i have been like it's finally beating you down a little bit i I was just kind of like i had some other stuff happening and i was trying to start school and other things and i just was not as Pumped. involved as I often am uh and so it's been really fun to see them kind of just chuck along and every day someone else is up and doing what needs to be done to win and um they had a really rough uh road trip a couple weeks ago and they're they kind of bounced back from it and so it's just it's kind of and there's like a fun atmosphere that you get to see when you're watching the games in the dugout and so you know, shout out to my Mariners. Whoop, whoop. <laughs> so we talked about baseball. Uh-huh. And now to continue to try to balance the scales after everything else in this podcast, I'm going to talk about fishing. Uh, <laughs> specifically, eel fishing. Ooh. Yeah. Uh, I have encountered eels in my life on the New Hampshire coast. We do have eels in the tide pools, and they're pretty terrifying. I think probably because I grew up with The Little Mermaid. So eels, you're just like, I want nothing to do. Are they electric eels or are they? No, maybe. I I just, I didn't touch them to find out, (laughs) (laughs) but I was just like, get thee behind me, spawn of Satan. I'm going to go catch this crab over here because you terrify me. Uh, But thanks to sushi, which I feel partially to blame, uh, eel prices have been soaring uh, because eel is super popular on sushi unagi, unagi. Unagi with like, and then the eel sauce they put on top. Oh yeah. I think that's right. I don't, I don't, not a sushi eater. I can like see it on the menu, but you like everyone that orders sushi kind of like mutters it to the waiter because they know they're getting it wrong. And that's totally me. Uh, But because of sushi has just grown in popularity and accessibility, uh, eel, eel has been really hard to come by because it's not something that really flourishes in a man-made environment where they can just have an eel farm. That's not really a thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, actually, fun Margot history fact. 
my first relatives that f- came to America from Paris, from France, <laughs> and settled in Quebec, French-speaking Canada. Uh, the first plot of land that he was allotted for his, he was a missionary to Indians. And so the the principality awarded him a plot of land in Quebec on the river. Uh, they said, you can have all this acreage, you can have the land, build what you want. The only thing that we ask is that you give a tenth of the eels that you catch to the former owner of the property. Interesting. It's like in the, so I have this deed of being like, make sure you give a tenth of all your eels. So eels, eel trading has been a thing for some time. Uh, but recently, because of sushi, prices have soared. Prices used to be around, and this is still pretty high, about $130 a pound. Oh, wow. Which is... Wow. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Pretty, pretty, pretty spendy. Yeah. Uh, but what happened to make the market go crazy is that uh, Europe and America pretty much... Well, first Europe passed a ban saying we're not going to export our eels anymore to Asian countries because uh, our own populations are overfished. So mm-hmm. kind of like we need to keep our resources here. And if we keep exporting, then our own populations aren't going to repopulate the way they should and we'll be in trouble. And America followed suit. Uh, so, But after the Europeans shut down their eel markets for <laughs> Asian trade, the price jumped in two months from that $130 to $1,200 a pound. Uh-uh. And so, and shortly thereafter, uh, eel trade in America became super regulated and super minimal. So the price is now around $3,000 a pound. Is that everywhere or just in Asian countries? Uh, in Asian countries. Okay. So it's it's pretty tough, and what they really want is not like a full grown eel. They want the babies. They want the mm-hmm. live, and they're called like elves, which I was like, what? Oh, that's a they're cute. Like, name. They cu- look like cute little, and they're clear. They're like this. Uh, I guess they're iridescent in the moonlight. So mm. you go to rivers at night with flashlights, and their glass like bodies will reflect, and that's how you catch them. Uh, but I guess they want these live baby eels so that they can grow them and try to up their population but america's like our population isn't great it's kind of overfished so they've been cutting down so uh they've been arresting people in eel stings across the coast (laughs) like this is a thing this is on the east coast there's a guy in new hampshire that's serving a two-year prison sentence uh he made they said he they estimated that in one eel season he made a half a million dollars can you imagine walking into that jail and having some like thug ask you what you're in there for i mean i feel like new hampshire jails aren't that tough anyways (laughs) it's probably actually a lot of fish and game violations let's be real (laughs) i know but can you imagine well i overfished some eels (laughs) Selling, yeah. selling eels to illegal <laughs> yakuza like gangsters. Uh, so I, I just, just call myself a smuggler at that point. You don't say what the product was. Yeah, and the <laughs> the guy actually had the audacity. He had this like fifty thousand dollar truck that he bought with his eel money, and it, the license plate was eel wagon. Oh my gosh! So before subtle <laughs> before he was prosecuted, he actually sold the truck. I think he knew like. The, the trap was coming down, <laughs> but they still made him pay like the amount of money he made off the truck to restitution services. So now all eels that you catch 
on the Atlantic coast are registered with cards. You have to, every time you come ashore, there's an official and you have like an eel debit card and they count every single eel. They search your boat for hidden compartments, all that jazz. And you have to register. I have 120 baby eels. And every time someone buys them from you, it has to be on this card transaction. You are not allowed. It's illegal to sell eels with cash. Yeah. I feel like there's actually a lot of fisheries that are that way because I know in Alaska they have systems like that for certain fishes that are endangered or what threatened or whatever. But I just love that the FBI had this like dossier, (laughs) this like stakeout on Uh it's called like Operation Midnight Glass or something that sounds like so much cooler. (laughs) What are you staking out for? I'm gonna catch eel smugglers. The more you <laughs> So, if anything else, if they, did, if they didn't get anything from our Sunday recap, they now know. Probably don't smuggle eels. Don't go to the East Coast and do some midnight eel fishing. Yeah, don't do it. Because Big Brother's going to catch you. And then you have to explain to all the other prison inmates <laughs> why you're there. And, and go Mariners. I'm a, I'm a Red Sox fan, but I can, I can appreciate an underdog story. Yeah, so. yeah. Well, the Mariners haven't been to the postseason in 16 years. It's the long, like not just baseball. It is the longest professional franchise drought, like playoff drought in all sports. That is very sad. Yeah. <laughs> is it all sports like professional ping pong? Well, bowling. okay. Professional, like <laughs> professional the big, curling. like the big professional sports in America. I'll say. All right. Jeez, Margo. Yeah. <laughs> I just I just wanted to clarify for our listeners, for uh, Brent Johnson. Yeah, he's, he's googling that right yeah, now. Yeah, he sure is. He's gonna fact check me on Sunday. All right. Well, it's been great having you guys tune in to another episode of Say Something Interesting. Uh, you can find me on the Instagrams at Adventures and Caffeine. And Megan, do you have do you have Instagram? I do, but I don't know what my probably your cats. No. Well, I mean that's mostly what it is, but um, it's I think it's like M Bojan or something. I don't know. You'll, just, like you'll have to do your own stakeout. Yeah, you'll have to <laughs> figure it out. I should probably know that about myself. <laughs> I think of all the things to know about yourself, it's okay if you don't know your Instagram. Yeah. Okay, okay, thanks. Uh, but we'd love to have you guys back next week as we break down week two and have you guys stop it on Sunday for week two of the Comparison Trap. All right, guys, have a great week. <laughs>